Hello and welcome back to the Gritty Men Podcast. I'm John Riggs, your host, and as always, we are here to equip, encourage, and inspire God's men to live God's way for God's glory. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. We are going to, once again today, continue on in our short series on marriage. And last week we talked about this very important relationship, and I would say outside of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, marriage is no doubt the most significant relationship on the earth. It is the most important relationship that you and I will ever experience as men as far as earthly relationships, and it has the potential impact, either positive or negative, Uh, on future generations. And not only that, we're seeing in our own society what happens when the breakdown of the marriage relationship happens and the disintegration of what follows, which is the family, and then the family disintegrates, and then you have the culture, and then the culture, again, just affects everything within our world. And so this relationship is the most significant of all earthly relationships. And so men, last week we learned the role that our wives played in this incredible um, God-ordained relationship called covenant marriage. And uh, we really learned that um, our marriages are are very profound in that they are a physical picture of a spiritual truth, and they reveal in this world the truth of Christ and his bride, the church, as our marriages being the the role of the man is the role of Christ, who is the head of the wife, and the wife takes the role of the bride as the church does Christ. And so there is a very, very, very important um, illustration that is being revealed to us in Scripture about the significance of of our relationship in marriage. Now, we learned that the role of the wife um, as men, uh, we are not to hold this over our wives. It's not an easy thing for our wives to submit to us as husbands. Um, And our role in like manner is not an easy role either. In fact, I would say, men, we have some very high cotton to chop in relation to our responsibility in the marriage relationship before God. You are the leader and you are the head, and um, we talked kind of in detail a little bit about that last week. We're going to get into more detail specifically this week about our role as men, but understanding also our responsibility as the leader of our wife and family in the relationship that we have with Christ, that we are to be in subjection to the headship of Christ, and how in doing so we portray before our wives and our children a correct way in which we are to live under the authority of Christ and be great leaders to our wives and kids as we follow Christ Jesus, our King. Um, Something you'll notice in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, um, not one time in that passage of of Scripture are we ever uh, told to go by our feelings, okay? The reason I want to say that is because basically we see that in our culture, um, Love is described in a very um, ungodly way. In fact, it's very lustful and it's very self-driven and self-motivated. And also, um, it is very self-centered. In fact, you'll find that for most people, love is is based on feeling. And usually, lust is driven, uh, the love in our culture. 
Um, the reality is, as men and women of God, when it comes to this relationship of marriage and the way that we are to love one another, um, we, we, we aren't driven by emotion. And you might say, well, John, is love a feeling? The answer to that question is, too, is two-sided. Yes, love is a feeling, and then yes, love is not a feeling. And what I mean by that, guys, is love is a feeling, yes, but even when you don't feel in love, love is required. And the way we demonstrate love is by action in spite of feeling. It is an action. Um, so God's design for marriage is the opposite of what we see the world in relation to how they view marriage. And let me give you three ways that this is true. Number one, the marriage that God calls us to, this covenant marriage and this picture of Christ and the church, that being you and I, the redeemed of the Lord, it is about sacrifice, number one. Number two, God's design for marriage requires that we focus on our spouse and on God. So it is the focus is turned from ourselves and it's turned to another. And so it's spouse driven and motivated and it's it's about um about sacrifice and giving. And it's motivated in the fact that we focus on someone other than ourselves. Number three, it's not driven by feeling, but it's motivated by faithfulness. And marriage is not easy. It's not easy for anyone and when you happen to go to a restaurant or maybe even in your church or you might have grandparents that have been married for many, many years, maybe 50, 60 years, every single marriage has gone through very difficult things. And marriage is not easy, but it is the greatest of all relationships, but it can be also the most difficult. And so one of the things I think becomes a roadblock for so many people in marriage is that they are disillusioned when they face times in marriage where they're no longer what they would say in love or they're going through very challenging and difficult things like the raising of children and then they have the challenge of finances on there and the stress of money and um, and then just the relationship factor of two people uh, trying to um, to give themselves to one another when they don't feel like doing that or they're tired or they're exhausted or they've given themselves to their job and their workplace and their children. And, and there's so many things that come against marriage, not to mention the kingdom of darkness that hates the covenant of marriage because of what marriage signifies and because of the importance that marriage plays in every single society. It is the relationship that is the very fabric that stitches a society together. And we know that in our culture, marriage is not deemed very significant whatsoever. In fact, uh, it's becoming less and less important and less and less significant. But we also are witnessing the fallout of what happens in a society when marriage is no longer seen as significant and important. And it is broken down and it is dissolved and it has created incredible havoc upon uh, the next generation that comes from the homes of broken marriages. Um, so we understand that marriage is a feeling. I mean, love is a feeling, yes, but it's also motivated by action because you don't always feel. We don't do what we do based on feeling. We do it because we're commanded to do it in Scripture. And um, as we get to today's study, 
we're going to look now at what God's design is for the role of men in marriage. Last week, we looked at the role of women. We learned that before God, we are absolutely equal in every way, shape, form, and fashion. But in God's um, function within the family, the role that God has placed men and women, we are different, and we are made differently, and that is by design. It's something that we actually appreciate about each other is that we are different, but we must be different in order for the family structure to work properly. Uh, we have to be different because we, be, we each play a different role, a husband and wife, in not only the marriage relationship, but also in the raising of a family. So last week, we looked at primarily just two verses, and that was 22 through 24. And this week, we are going to focus now on the role of the husband. Um, we learned last week that there were three primary reasons that God ordained marriage. Number one was procreation, and that we... Um, under the rule of God, as godly men and women, we would proclaim throughout the, the earth uh, the glory of God, and we would live for the glory of God, and that our children, being instructed and trained by us, would continue to bear and proclaim the name of God upon the earth. And not only that, but our children would, under God, continue to be fruitful, multiply, fill, and subdue the earth. The second thing was we saw that God's man, that God created marriage and designed marriage for the potential realization of mankind, for men and women. And that is in marriage um, and family, this relationship of husband and wife was so that the husband needs the wife and the wife needs the husband to maximize the potential of one another. And for those of you that have been married any length of time at all, you know this to be a true fact. My wife is very talented and gifted in areas that I lack in. Uh, she's stronger in certain areas that are needed for... Um, for our family, and um, that is evident. I am stronger in certain areas than she is, and so we we actually help each other grow, and we help push one another to become what God has designed for us to become, and to reach the potential, uh, the realized potential of what God meant for both she and I together as a husband and wife. And my desire is for her to fulfill in her life what God has designed for her to be and to to fulfill the purpose of God in her life, and her desire is that I would do the same. And both of us working together help bring out the greatest potential and maximize that in each of our lives. The third thing was, is, is this incredible mystery, this profound truth of what God has designed and ordained marriage to be and to proclaim upon the earth, and that is God's redemptive illustration is seen through marriage. And the roles of the husband and wife are portraying to a lost world this beautiful picture of redemption, and it's illustrated in the way that we act and the way that we function within our marriage relationship. And so let's just kind of look um, at what this section of Scripture is going to teach us. Now, we know that the marriage covenant was ordained by God, and it is a physical reality of his redemptive spiritual truth. And this mystery must be spiritually revealed 
Um, and it is through God's word that we as Christians come to understand its profound meaning. Non-believers, as we've already seen, and those of you that have friends that do not know Christ, they know there is something significant and even holy in relationship uh, to marriage. There's a spiritual element to it, but they do not truly have any idea of the purpose nor understand the basic meaning of God's design for marriage. And many of them um, do not have the fulfillment that can be found in marriage by not understanding these truths that God has given us in his word. Um, the reality is for most of us men, to be frankly honest, we, we, we didn't have any idea of this incredible, profound truth. It wasn't taught to us as young men. Uh, when you went through pre-marriage counseling, your pastor more than likely didn't teach you these things. Um, and so I make it my aim and my desire to teach everyone that I take through pre-marriage counseling what God's design is for marriage in order that they're better able to understand that marriage is not about them entirely. In fact, it's not at all about them. It's about sacrifice. It's about giving. It's about loving in spite of how they feel. It's about pointing uh, the world to Christ by the way that they love and they surrender and they and they serve one another in this beautiful relationship called marriage. Um, the husband, we learned, is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which whom he is Savior. Now, for us as men, guys, um, we desperately need to have this knowledge and this information to help us navigate this mystery called marriage. And the way in which we are going to navigate this mystery called marriage is through God's word and through what we call the GPS. It is God's perfect script. And listen, you, you can't navigate the backcountry without a GPS. Um, any Well, or you can use a compass, which that's a form of navigation. It's an instrument to help you navigate. But we're looking at a GPS. And there's many men who are trying to navigate marriage without having a GPS to help them make it through, especially when they go through seasons of darkness and difficulty and challenge in marriage. But you don't have to do that. You have a GPS. It's called God's Word. It's His perfect script. And it's going to help you navigate uh, this incredible mystery called marriage. And it's going to give you the information that you need and the reference points and the landmarks to help you make it through marriage, not just make it through, but to do it in a way that honors and glorifies God and brings about fulfillment and joy in this incredible relationship between you and your wife. Um, there are weighty consequences, guys, for us if we do not apply these truths. And as I've said many, many times, the Bible is not a book of spells. Um, and I don't mean that in a hocus-pocus way. I mean, it is a book that is truth. And so truth without application serves no purpose for us. But truth, to be experienced, it must be applied. And I've always say this in my marriage counseling with couples. It's not that your marriage can't be fixed. Okay, some of you listening to this podcast, you may be saying, you know, I'm ready to move on from this relationship. It's just frankly too hard. We don't love each other anymore. We've grown apart. Um, in fact, I've even been, you know, thinking it would be easier to, to start over and get somebody else. Listen to me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Your marriage can be fixed and it can be a wonderful relationship that God intended and destined for it to be. All you need to do is get back to the GPS and you need to apply the truth that is in God's word by application. And when you apply truth, you experience the result that happens when truth is applied.
you will experience life in that. And so what I find in so many marriages after a period of time, they have gotten away from application of just the basics of what we do when we truly love our spouse. They've gotten away from self-sacrifice and putting their spouse ahead of themselves. They've, they've begun to focus on their differences instead of those things they appreciate about their spouse. They begin to focus on the things they lack in appreciation of. And the negativity begins to come into that relationship. And then they, they begin to experience um, not so much loving each other, but pointing out their flaws and, and the areas of their differences. And that begins to generate a rift within the marriage relationship. And you become unhappy and you don't feel fulfilled and you don't feel loved and you don't feel like the other person is focusing on you. And it becomes all about me, myself, and I. And we need to get back to the basics of what marriage is about. And the way we do that is by understanding first our salvation. When we understand the covenant that we are in in Christ and we understand what Christ has done for us, we understand what it means to be forgiven, we understand what grace is, we understand what mercy is, we understand what it means that Christ will never leave us, he'll never forsake us. When we experience his unconditional and non-merited love, we haven't earned it, but God does it and gives it because he wills to do that. When we get back to the basics of what it means to be in Christ and apply the truths of that now in application to our spouse, you're going to see your marriage relationship regenerated and it's going to turn around and it's going to do that very quickly because God's word is true and the manufacturer of the product, if you will, has written about the product in detail because it's been created and designed by him. And when you apply these truths, it will work in your life. Every single time, it will work. The problem is not that it can't be applied. The problem is that men are prideful and women are prideful. And men are, are resistant to, to sacrificing and to walking in humility. They don't want to apply these truths. Um, and there's a problem. That is a personal problem. That's a sin problem. And so if you will be quick to forgive and you will offer grace, because we, how often do you need grace from Christ in your life? I need the grace of God in my life every single day. I need the forgiveness of God in my life every single day. I need the consistent, unconditional love of God in my life every single day. And did you know that you are receiving that from God? Now, in like manner, we love to receive it, but now we must, in application, we must give it out to our spouse. We must do this. And so I want to encourage you to extend incredible grace to your spouse. Extend to them forgiveness because we desperately need it. We need to be willing to overlook a whole lot of things because we have had Christ overlook so many things in our life. And what I mean by that is it's been covered by his, glo- his, 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 his grace, his mercy, and his shed blood. He, he's done this. It's willingly done for you. And we simply are giving this back. We've received it. Now we're giving it back. And we need to do this for one another in marriage. Um, we, we must do this. And so this relationship now is so important. And ground zero is what we're looking at. 
It is, first of all, our relationship with God, our relationship with our wife, our relationship with our children, our relationship with our children's children, then our community, our country, our state, our, 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 excuse me, our county, our state, our country, and our world. There is huge ramifications for this, and it all begins with ground zero here. Um, and so we must use God's word, and it all begins with our relationship with him. So if you're having a struggle in your relationship with your marriage, you're having a struggle in your relationship with God. I can guarantee you that. And why do I know that? Because we think marriage is simply horizontal in relationship. In other words, it's just me and my wife. It's a horizontal relationship, but that's not true. It all begins with a vertical relationship with God because you and I cannot give unconditional love if you have not received unconditional love. It's difficult for us to offer grace to someone when you haven't experienced grace from God or mercy from God. And so God has already demonstrated all these things to you and you have already experienced these things from God and in so doing now we simply now what in application we offer those very same things to our spouse okay now in verse 23 for the husband is the head of wife as Christ is the head of of the church which is his body of which he is the savior now, I want to just talk to you a little bit, and I've mentioned this on another podcast, but since we're on this series of marriage, guys, listen to me. You are the head. What I mean by that is you are the leader. You are the covering of your wife. You are over your wife in function and in order. And God has so ordained this, and he has designed this. And you must be in alignment with God. Because if you're out of alignment, your family is going to be impacted and it's going to be affected. So everything, guys, in our marriage begins with a vertical relationship with God every single time. And so our relationship with God is vertical, but it affects the horizontal relationships in our life. The relationship with your wife is horizontal, but if our relationship with God is not in alignment, it will affect the horizontal relationship we have with our wives and that we have with our children and we have with others. That is the reality of how it works. So today, before I talk about your role of how God has ordained for you to lead your family and for you to fulfill the aspect that Christ fulfills in his body and of his bride, the church, we're going to get into that next week, but this week I want you to learn and understand the significance about your alignment in the horizontal relationship under God. And you remember when, when Eve and Adam sinned, okay? When Adam and Eve sinned, Eve took the fruit, she ate it, gave it to Adam, and he ate it as well. Now I want you to notice something. When God came looking for them in the garden, he wasn't looking for Eve. He came and he was looking for Adam because Adam is the one who ultimately in scripture, when you read about it, Adam is the one who sinned and you and I are born in Adam. 
And because Adam sinned, sin came to all who would be born in Adam. He is the father of the human race. And all born in Adam are born in sin. He is the leader. He was responsible and he was accountable to God. He was to tend. He was to till his garden. He was to keep track of who was in his garden. He was to protect his 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 garden from outside intrusion. And who do we find in the garden? Satan himself. Adam had authority over Satan. He had authority under God over every creeping thing and crawling thing upon the face of the earth. Over all of God's creation, Adam had authority. And when Satan entered the serpent and he was in the garden, Adam had authority over the serpent, but he didn't take his rightful authority. And that authority was usurped when he came under Satan's authority, when he obeyed Satan and he sinned against the command of God. Now, what we find in the family is that there is an absolute correlation and connection to the relationship that man has with God in the way that he operates in the framework of the order under God's headship. The relationship below him, his wife and his children are going to be severely impacted by the way in which he walks in submission to Christ in the headship of Christ over his life. He is the leader. He is to demonstrate what it means to walk in submission to Christ before his wife, before his children. And the alignment of the family begins with the man being in alignment under Christ. That's where it begins. And the breakdown of a man who will not walk in submission to the headship of Christ will always negatively impact the family which is under his leadership every single time. And this is what goes on in many of the Christian homes and families. We have an alignment problem. Yes, it is true, guys, that it is possible for the man to be in alignment under the headship of Christ and for his wife to be out of alignment. That is possible, but when she's doing that, she is sinning against God because God is the one that gave her the command to what? To be in submission to the husband as unto the Lord. That command is from God, so anytime the wife walks out from underneath the alignment of the headship of her husband, who is under the headship of Christ, she is in rebellion or she is sinning against the command of God. And when that happens, those underneath will be impacted every single time. The children will be impacted. So here's the deal. What we are trying to do as men, as the leader, and the wife is to be the responder. Now, it is true that she could rebel against the command of God and she could be out of alignment. That can happen and sometimes it does in marriage. But more times than not, men, the responsibility falls on you because you are the leader. It all comes back to you. Now, you may not like to hear that. Now, we like to tell our wives that we're in charge. We like to tell our wives that she is to submit, but we don't like to own it when it falls upon us when things in the family fall apart. But the reality is, guys, I say this in love, but it falls on you. You are responsible. 
You are accountable to God because you are the leader and the head of the wife, your wife, and your family. That is a huge responsibility. Christ, he is the head of the church. That's what he, he is. He is the one that is over the body. And he is the one that tells and directs the body what the body is to do. Does the body always listen? No. But when the body doesn't listen and walks in rebellion, there's a major problem. Something bad happens, right? Usually if there's a separation between the head thought and the action of the body, then there's something that's gone wrong. There is something, a paralysis, there's something, right? So that's a reality. So in our marriages, guys, I don't want you to lose track of this. Yes, you are the head. But you have someone you're accountable to, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, ultimately God the Father. And so let's look at this headship because it's very, very important that we understand this. If you will focus more on being in submission and living under the headship of Christ, then your wife will, in response to that, she will... Not all the time, perfectly, because you don't even walk into submission to Christ perfectly. Um, you do rebel at times. You do sin at times, okay? But we thank God that we don't lose our position in Christ. Our relationship's impacted, and it's affected with God. But we repent of that. We're restored in relationship, not in position, because your position will never change. That's the beauty of the covenant. The covenant is that I am always in Christ. Thank God that that covenant is eternal. It is forever. The shed blood of Christ, the new cup of his blood, the covenant that we are in with Christ and in Christ is forever. Thank God for that. And our marriages are to be the same. So does it mean that our marriage relationship can't be impacted if there's sin within the relationship? No, that relationship will be negatively impacted. But the position of being married does not change, okay? That covenant still, still is there. But if there is sin in the relationship, then that needs to be repented of, and that needs to be forgiven, and forgiveness needs to be granted, and forgiveness received, and then that relationship can be restored. So here's what I want you to, to think about. Just as the covenant that Christ has made in his blood with us is eternal, it is forever, I am saved and I will be saved, and I'm being saved. Jesus Christ is never going to give up on me, ever. He did all the work, um, and he's, he's, he's doing this incredible work of, of sanctification in my life. Your spouse is helping bring about your sanctification. Um, we are growing in Christ. We are All these things are happening, but I know that I am secure in Christ Jesus. And there's no greater way to experience the love of God than to know and understand that you are secure in your relationship with God. Now, I didn't grow up thinking that way. I grew up thinking that I could, because of a certain teaching of theology, um, that I could lose this salvation that I didn't even merit to get. In fact, the only way that I've come to believe in Christ is by the measure of faith he gave me when he revealed himself to me. It was God came to me. I did not climb to God. There is a massive difference. And so I really believed 
that I could lose my salvation, and in that if I hadn't repented of a known sin, that if I died without unrepentant sin, I was going to be cast into hell. In other words, my, my name was never secure in the book of life. It was a probability of whether or not I could attain to keeping the record short enough of my sin. And so it really was a dependence upon myself. And it wasn't a true demonstration of love. In other words, if love is patient, love is kind, if love does not envy, if love does not boast, you know, if, if we follow along with the love chapter, if love uh, keeps no records of wrong, if, if love is, if, if, it, if it endures all things, and if love never feels, then agape love is what we've been given in Christ by the Father. God loved the world so much he gave the Son. So he demonstrated this love. This is agape love. It is a forever love. It's not a love that's given and taken away and a love that's merited or based on my behavior. That's not what that kind of love is. It's a self-sacrificing, a giving love in spite of how the recipient of the love acts. Okay? So see, God still loves you. And God loves me in Christ on my best day. Okay, the day that I really feel like I'm, I'm really living for Christ. His love does not falter or change anymore on the days that I'm really struggling, that, I'm, that I have even fallen short and I have sinned. His love never, ever changes. In fact, that's what Paul writes in, in Romans, that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in our union of being in Christ Jesus. The same is true in marriage. If your marriage covenant is not an everlasting covenant until death do you part, then what aspect of love is really love? See, in other words, if it's love, love endures, right? This is a reality. It's not, I'm gonna love you until I don't love you anymore. It's not a love, I love you only if you give me what I want or I'm fulfilled or quote unquote, I'm happy in this marriage relationship. No, 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 no. There is no security whatsoever in a marriage relationship that is only merited love. If you have to merit the love of your spouse, then he or she does not truly love you the way that they have been loved by Christ. In fact, that is not even really love. That's more of a conditional, um, a conditional type of love. It's not true love. And so we are demonstrating this incredible agape love that we have received in our marriage relationships from the Father through Christ the Son. We demonstrate that by living that out in a covenant of marriage that says, I will before God commit to love you for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, being always faithful and true, forsaking all others as long as we both shall live. That is the word that is given of the covenant that you make with your spouse. What are you basically saying? Come hell or high water, baby, I'm here to the very end. This is never going to end. I will never, for richer, for poor, you're going to have both of them if you're married at the duration of time. Uh, for, for, for better or for worse, guys, let me tell you something. If you're engaged and you're still in this honeymoon mindset that there's never going to be a day, uh, listen, 
You're going to wake up one day and this girl that you think is absolutely perfect, her breath is going to be horrible. Her hair is going to be an absolute disaster. She may even put on a few pounds through childbearing. And, and, and she, you're going to look at her one, and she's going to look at you and go, dude, what happened to this guy, this knight in shining armor? No, that's called reality. Right now you're in this stage where your brain is, is, is in this euphoric thing where you just don't even see anything but the perfect nature of your spouse or the spouse-to-be. That's going to change because reality is going to set in but that's normal. But love is not just about the hoochie-coochie feeling. It's about commitment. See, that's the beauty of love. You can't even know real love unless it endures everything in life because it's not love. Now, you can call it a lot of things, affection, lust, you know, hey, call it whatever you want. But love, the Bible says, real love, if you want to know real love, it's going to endure all things. That's why, guys, you and I are secure in Christ. Because God's love is agape love, and it loves you in spite of you. It loves you. God loves you. Aren't you glad that he does? There's security in that. If you think at any given time God could say, you know what, you don't measure up to my expectations of holiness and righteousness. By the way, that's every one of us. I'm done with you. I've had enough. How many times are you going to keep doing this over and over again? You do not change. You keep doing the same things that God just says, you know what, I'm done with you. How in the world would that be love? And how would you have any security in your relationship? And how could you even love God if God's love was dependent on your meriting by how you do what you do? That's not love. But that's how marriages are oftentimes lived out. This is what's so sad. See, we, we say we love someone, but the only way you prove your love to be true is for the duration of time. The only way you prove your love to be true is when you love when they're not lovable and they're not deserving of love. The only way you prove that your love is real and that it is true is, is that you remain faithful in your covenant with that person. You never go outside your marriage covenant. You remain faithful to that person, always being faithful and true to you as long as we both shall live. See, that's what real love is. And if you can't go the duration, you'll never know in a human relationship what real love is. That's why I'm telling you, there's nothing more beautiful in human relationship than this incredible relationship that we have with our spouse, our wife, or for wives, their husbands in this thing called marriage. Because love, it endures all things. Love never fails. So to me, love is cheap if it doesn't endure to the end. It's just a word. And this is what we're portraying. This is why, if we can grasp this and we can understand this, when we understand that marriage is not about my happiness, but it's about me pointing to the love, mercy, grace, and the union that I have with God the Father through Christ the Son. 
And what I am doing in my marriage is now I'm having to live out what I've received and in living this out to my spouse and I'm being faithful to her and I'm, I'm being trustworthy to her and I'm forgiving her and I offer grace to her and mercy to her and likewise her to me. What I'm doing is I'm simply demonstrating what it means to be in Christ Jesus and loved by the Father in this union of one flesh. And this is a this this thing is incredible. And the parallels here are beautiful. Just as Christ is the head of his body, the husband is the head of his wife. And just like there is a body which is one flesh, there is a body in the relationship of the husband and wife. It is when the two come together and they're joined in this covenant union, they become one flesh. There's one body. You can't separate the head from the body because when you separate the head from the body, there's death. There is no body without a head. And there is no life in the body without the head and vice versa. And so the parallels that what we're seeing here, it is a physical reality, our relationship with our wife and the wife of her husband. This marriage relationship, Paul calls this a profound mystery because it, its level of depth of meaning surpasses the fickle nature of marriage in our society by a landslide. In fact, most marriages out there today, they are contract marriages. They're full of loopholes. In other words, loopholes. In other words, they're, they're, they're based on I'll love you until. There's, there's never this finality. They, they, they'll love you until you stop meeting my need. Um, I love you until I find someone else that makes me happier. I love you, X, Y, you fill in the blank. That's how the world loves one another and how they view marriage. But that shouldn't surprise us because the world has not yet experienced, nor have they received in Christ the love of the Father that merits this incredible agape love experience. So how would they love someone like that? They've never experienced it. But we as Christians, we have. We have been. And so... Um, it's important for us to grasp this, guys, because our marriage at a level of meaning, it, we can't even hardly describe what it, what it means to a world. That's why we are showing people what grace means when we offer grace to our spouse. And, and they see this. We, we, we show as a wife to our to a world as as the wife lovingly caringly submits to her husband and offers him respect and and comes under his headship she's demonstrating this beautiful safe place to walk and live and be as a bride as we are under the headship of Christ and as the husband now as the husband lives under the headship of Christ, and, and as he now loves his wife, as we're going to learn next week, 
as Christ loved the church. There's a type of love going on here, and the world doesn't understand this kind of love because it's unconditional. It's a love that's not based on the merit of another. It's just simply given, and the grace is incredible, and the mercy is incredible, and there's genuine love and appreciation, and there's there's growth happening in this relationship. There's forgiveness that's being granted and forgiveness that is being received. And, and there's, there's this, this beautiful picture of what God has done for all of us who are in Christ Jesus. And the world can look at a Christian marriage and although they may not understand the story of redemption, they're witnessing Something incredible about this love that all human beings want to experience. They're watching it happen in your life as the husband and the wife live this out in this world for one another. Faithfulness. See, the the reality is no matter who you are or where you are in this world, every single person wants to be loved. They want to be loved. They may not know how to go about that love, and they may think that lust is love, but that's a perverted form of love. But in reality, that's not what they really, really want. They want someone to love them unconditionally. That's what they're seeking. And they may have never heard the gospel, and they may just be watching you from a distance, but... That's why I always say, man, never should a man of God ever talk about his old lady. I hear guys do this. I'm like, well, my old lady, you know, she wouldn't let me. Your old lady? Are you kidding me? She's your old lady? Jesus doesn't talk about you like that. His bride? Yeah, my old bride. No. No, no, no. Or women that get together with their little gaggle. And, and, and they're just talking about their husbands and, you know, oh, you know, he just is this or that or, you know, he's just, no, no my old man, you know, the old, the old, no, 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 no. That's not how you talk about one another. You're constantly demonstrating the reality of salvation and redemption of mercy, grace, love, forgiveness, unconditional love. You're, 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 you're what? You're living out this reality of what you are receiving from God. You're living it out in this marriage relationship as the wife is the bride, the husband's the groom. And we have now a living example being lived out in the world of this spiritual reality. See, when, when a man listens to you talk about your wife, Does he leave that conversation going, man, I wish that I could feel that way about my wife. Or or man, I can't believe that he just gives her grace for that. Or man, he forgives or all of these things. See, guys, ground zero begins with this understanding of marriage. And it it begins with this understanding of what headship is. And for us to understand what headship is, headship means head of or ruler, if you will. That's what it is. Christ is our head. He's our king. He's our ruler. He's our Lord. And in 1 Corinthians 11.3, Paul says, I want you to understand this. The head of every man is Christ. 
And really, ultimately, the head of your wife is not you, sir. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. You're simply under Christ. And in the order of design and function, Christ has placed you as head over your wife. But she looks to you as the example of what it is to walk in humility and in submission to Christ. You are her teacher. You are teaching her as you walk in submission to Christ how she is to walk in submission to you as unto the Lord. You are her example. So if she's struggling in this area, you be for her a better example for what it looks like. Extend to your wife grace here. Guys, it's not easy for her to do this. It's not always easy for us to beat our body into submission either, guys. Our body and our flesh, it wants what is contrary to the Spirit. That's what the Bible teaches us. Paul says that in Romans. And yet we have to beat our body, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, and to make it our slave, right? In other words, we tell it, no, 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 you will be in submission. It's not easy. And for your wife, guys, listen, live with her understanding way because it's not easy for her because you're not always worthy of that kind of respect nor that kind of honor. That is the truth. The head of every wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. That's why Christ said, I have not come to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. See, God the Father, he's the one that wills. Christ the Son comes in submission to fulfilling the will of the Father. He is our perfect example of what it is to live under headship. Jesus Christ is. Now, many, not all, marriage problems can really begin honestly with this vertical relationship with God. Either the wife or the husband, the vertical relationship that they have with God is, is something's wrong there when there's a marriage issue happening every single time. Christ, men, he is our head. And he has set an example for us of what submission to headship looks like. He's our perfect example. In Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In essence, we know Jesus Christ is God. He is God. But in function, according to God's redemptive plan upon the earth, Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, was totally submissive to his head, God the Father. In John 6, 38, we read, Jesus said, I have not come down from heaven to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus in 5, 19 of John says, very, very Truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. 
In John 5.30, I can do nothing by myself. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And then finally, in John 12.49, Jesus says, For I do not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. See, Jesus Christ, our head, he is the perfect example for us of what headship and submission to headship is all about. And men, he is the one whom we pattern our life after. Why? Because he is our head. And we walk in subjection and in submission to Jesus Christ. And in doing so, our wives will learn and see by our example. And then we will have an appreciation for the role that our wives must play in marriage. We won't hold this over them in a unbearing, in a, in a, um, in a, in a Archie Bunker kind of way, a demanding type of way, a dictatorship kind of way. No, we won't do that because we understand the significance of what she's doing because we are doing it for Christ. And why do we do it? I can tell you why, because he is always worthy of it. He is, we love him and we desire. Now we do it imperfectly, yes, but your wives also in like manner. She's imperfect. But she, in her love for Christ, is submitting to you. And she is showing the world a beautiful picture of how the church is to submit and walk in obedience to Christ. And when that happens, good things happen in her life. For us as men, the husbands of our wives, Christ is our example. We follow him. We don't follow the world the world's mentality of headship is like Archie Bunker. You get in your recliner after your day's work. You demand that your wife bring you your slippers, that she bring you your pipe, and that she bring you your hot meal and whatever you want for the rest of the evening. She's your little slave. She's your little servant. That is not what we have learned about Christ. In fact, that will get you nowhere. That probably could get you divorced. <laughs> if that's your mentality and that's your wife's mentality, then you don't even know the first thing about salvation and what it means to be redeemed or what it is to receive the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. That's not going to work well for you in your life. In fact, go ahead and try that. Give me a call later and tell me how that worked out for you. I can promise you, it will be a wreck. It'll be a wreck. Guaranteed. When we are in alignment as Christ our head, living under him, we receive, listen to me, we receive the blessing from the Father through the Son. We receive this. I want to go a little further in explaining the biblical principle of representation. Adam is the father of the human race. Adam did not submit to his rightful head, God the Father, of whom the very image he bore. He instead submitted himself and rebelled, but he submitted himself unto the serpent. And Adam died, and the curse of death, spiritually and physically, was passed down to every human being through Adam, 
the father of the human race. What did we receive? We have received what? Not the blessing, but we've received the result, the curse of death. We've received that, see? There's a lot of families because of the sin of the father that are greatly impacted. In fact, generations of families are impacted through the sins of the father. They're, they're passed down, if you will. And then in like manner, there is the blessing of God that flows through godly men, through the, through the family, into the children and the grandchildren. And this is evident through scripture and truth and even in your own personal life. You know this, that when you walk in obedience to God, living in submission to Christ, the blessings that flow through Christ the Son to you in union with Christ, living in obedience to Christ, it is profound. And your children and your wife are blessed through your obedience and through your submission to Christ. And it flows through that. Romans 5.12 reiterates this truth. Death came through Adam, but life comes through Christ, who is the second Adam. Isn't that wonderful? We receive through Christ the blessing of God through Christ. It is into our life. We receive that. See, that is why you and I are justified by faith. Justified means we are made right with God that it's not a, a merit of our works. It's simply a finished work of Christ. And our faith in Christ places us in Jesus Christ. And because we are in Christ, listen to what Scripture says. We have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We receive the love of the Father through Christ. We receive the grace and mercy. All the spiritual blessings of God come through Christ. And we are the ones who receive the righteousness of Christ. We are merited the righteousness of Christ. The good things that we receive flow through Christ the Son in our faith in Him. The same thing goes for us in our marriages. When we walk in obedience to Christ and we're in alignment, it flows through. Our wives are blessed. Our children are blessed. And it even trickles down to our grandchildren because it flows through. It's a real truth. It's a real thing. Just as sin therefore entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. That is what came through Adam. But Christ, which we know is the second Adam, it had to be this way to redeem mankind, says this in Romans 5.15, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace, here it is, guys, and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. You have received all of this. You're an object of the mercy and the grace of God. Romans 5, 18 through 19 says, Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. 
For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. If you are a Christian man, and I assume that you probably are, if you're listening to this podcast, you have a representative head, and he is seated at the Father's right hand, making intercession for you. And if you're a Christian, you are receiving from God the Father all the spiritual blessings that are given to Christ, that are part of Christ, the Son of God. You're receiving all of those. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places have been provided for you. And then when you get into the second chapter of Ephesians, Paul says, I'm praying that you understand and know these truths. And see, guys, This is all a reality of what we received, but it's a reality of what we do in our marriages because the two here are are representing here. Our marriages are reflecting a reality of our spiritual truth of what it means to be in Christ. It supersedes anything you ever thought about marriage. You thought it was, hey, you just find some gal, you like her, you get along, it's good, and we're going to get married and we're going to enjoy life. No, 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 no. It's far the grandeur of what your marriage is far exceeds anything you ever understood. And if we begin to grasp the significance of this, it will so change the way you love your wife, the way you forgive your wife, the way that you lead your wife, the way that you give her grace, the way that you extend mercy to her, the way that your love will be consistent and faithful and true and long-suffering. And it was given to her even when she's not lovable. It's still given to her because it's not based on the merit of what she's done. It's simply an act of my will. I will love my wife. I will give her love. I will give her grace. I will give her mercy. I will help her grow in the Lord and I will be an example for her imperfectly of what it means to walk under the headship of Christ. And she will then experience the blessing of being in order in God's design in marriage. And then your children will be blessed by the faithfulness of the husband and the wife as they live out this beautiful picture of redemption and salvation and being in Christ. Their kids will also begin to see and learn and understand. And you know what they're going to experience? The same thing you experience in Christ. Listen to this. You experience security. You are secure in Christ Jesus. In your marriage, listen to me. I know that my wife will be faithful to me to the end. She will never, ever, ever be unfaithful to her vow. I know this. And my wife for 30 years has demonstrated this gift of love to me. She's proven it. And see, that's the beauty. And then you know what it does to the children who are raised in a family whose parents are secure in Christ, who know the love of Christ, whose marriage is secure because of the love they have for one another and the vertical relationship they have with Christ and God the Father? Do you know the security that it creates for children whose parents love one another and demonstrate love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, and all of this stuff? It brings security 
to your children and they experience what it is to have a mom and dad who love one another and who give to one another and who sacrifice for one another and who are patient with one another and who forgive when one fails and sins for the other. Your kids are going to experience what we experience being in Christ and what you experience as a husband and wife when you know your spouse will be faithful to his vows or her vows to the end. And then you will also have children who now are secure in a home that is built upon Christ, the firm foundation, and who have experienced the security of knowing mom and dad are maybe not going to leave next week and they're on one week and they're off the next week and you're not going to have all of these issues. And your children are going to be blessed. They will be blessed. See, guys, God's word is true. And God designed this marriage. And it's not all about you. As we've learned, our lives are to be lived for the glory of God. Your marriage is to be lived for the glory of God. And let me tell you something. It's not going to be all easy. It's difficult. But love, listen to me, love is an action. It is a decision. It is an act of the will. It is not a flippant passing emotion. And when people get the cart ahead of the horse and they begin to have sex before they get married, something gets out of alignment. Now lust supersedes love. And now they've got the whole thing screwed up and jacked up. Because, see, now that's going to wear off. It will. It will wear off. And then if you got married based on the lustful actions of sex and what it gives you and the fulfillment of pleasure it brings you, when that wanes, and I promise you it's going to wane, I guarantee you, not maybe, it will. It will come. It will go. It has... It's all of, but it, listen to me, but when you start out with love and then sex becomes a gift that God gives in marriage as a reward and a benefit of love, then it's not backwards. And now we begin this thing with the right foundation and love, we know this much, love, true love, agape love, the love that God gives us, the love that our marriages are to be displaying to the world. This love is a love that is faithful. It is true to its word. It is, it is going to endure all things, and it brings security to the husband and to the wife and to the children, and it is a picture of the security that we have in Christ and that God will never, ever leave us. He'll never forsake us. And even though we sin, Jesus Christ and his blood has covered all our sin. And that we are righteous before God, not based on the perfect life that we live, but based on the perfect Christ Jesus in whom we have been united with by faith in him. And his love nothing will separate you from it. And that's what our marriages are to be portraying. And you can't portray that if you don't walk it out in action.
And if you don't go through all the seasons of life to know that this love is genuine, but listen, the only way it's genuine is if it endures all things because love never fails. That's why when you see a couple that has been married 60, some of them 70 years at the end of their life, what you're looking at there as a Christian man and a woman They have demonstrated the love of God in Christ Jesus to those around them, but they are the few who have truly experienced in human relationship what real, true, genuine love is. That's the truth. Guys, I want to thank you. It's been, yeah, it's already been an hour. Thank you, guys. I want you to think about this, man. If you're listening and you've, you've been contemplating divorce, don't. If you know the love of Christ and his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace, if you've received it and you know Christ will never leave you, he's secure, you're secure in Christ. Don't throw this away. Don't throw it away. Begin to apply God's truth. In other words, begin by extending your spouse an incredible, unlimited amount of grace. Give them mercy. Forgive them. And love them the way in which you are being loved by God through Christ. Go back to doing the things you did at first and love based not on emotion, but an act of the will. Do not throw away what God has given you. He's never going to throw away you. Don't throw away this. Satan hates marriage. And you might know now why there's such a war against marriage and why Satan hates marriage because it is the highest and the greatest of all human relationships. For in it and it alone does it demonstrate what it means for us to be in union with Jesus Christ, our King and our Lord, and to be loved by God. You are an object of his mercy and his grace. No other relationship in this entire world will demonstrate God's love more than in the marriage relationship of a man and woman who through the duration of life remain faithful and true and committed to one another and extending love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness throughout the duration of their life. Nothing, no relationship shows that kind of love greater than your marriage because God intended for it to do. And that's why the enemy is lying to you and he wants to destroy your marriage. Guys, God bless you. Thank you for listening today. We will once again next time on the Gritty Men podcast, we'll get into the third aspect of this study. Um, Man, guys, if this has been a help to you or it's been beneficial in any way, would you do me a favor? This is just kind of grassroots here, guys. Uh, Would you share this with some of your buddies, man? Get this out. 
because guys need help. And that's why this podcast exists, is to come alongside and to help equip and encourage and inspire God's men to live God's way for God's glory in these last days. God bless you guys. Stay gritty. We'll see you next time on the Gritty Men Podcast.